Welcome to the Transition to Medicare podcast, brought to you by Giardini Medicare. In each episode, we will take a look at a specific Medicare topic that will help you avoid making mistakes and reduce your stress when navigating the Medicare system. Are you making your transition to Medicare or looking to change to a Medigap plan and are confused about what Medigap coverage is and how it works? In today's episode, we will help you understand Medigap plans so you can pick the right plan for yourself. But of course, before we start, we need to remind everybody here that we do operate Giardini Medicare, which is an independent insurance agency. We are based out of Southeast Michigan, but we do work virtually over the phone to help consumers in about a dozen other states find the right Medicare coverage for them. The states are going to be listed in the show notes, but even if you choose not to work with us, we do know that any information you get from this podcast is going to be helpful and it will help you in your stress-free transition to Medicare. So today, it's all about Medigap. And again, this is a deep dive just into Medigap. So if you're looking for Medicare Advantage information, this is going to be on a separate podcast. So here we go. And just a heads up, we usually say Medigap instead of Medicare Supplement only because we find it more confusing. People tend to think Medicare Supplements are Advantage plans. So again, if you hear Medigap, we are talking Medicare Supplements. Okay, the very first step before you do anything, you can't get a Medigap contract without getting Part A and Part B of Medicare in place. So remember, when we talk about Part A and Part B, we're talking about original Medicare. You're going to secure your original Medicare with the government, okay? So just remember, that's always going to be the foundation of anything you do first. Yeah, and although you can't really sign up for a Medigap plan until Part A and Part B are in place or shortly before that, just keep in mind, you can always look at information beforehand to figure out which Medigap plan you may want once you do start Medicare. And like Joanne just said, uh, Medicare is still going to be your primary insurance once you have a Medigap plan. And that means Part A and Part B of Medicare, which is your hospital and medical insurance, is going to be your primary coverage. And Medigap is going to fill in and help pick up some of those costs left behind by original Medicare. So there's uh, different out-of-pocket costs you'll have with just Medicare. We won't talk about it too much specifically, but basically most people know Medicare as 80% coverage and you're responsible for 20% out-of-pocket cost as a simplification. So with that being said, a Medigap will help a lot with the 20%. There's still some leftover costs, but keep in mind, you will have A and B as your primary. And just also know that Part A typically comes with no monthly premium as long as you've worked 40 quarters and paid in Medicare taxes. And then Part B usually has a base premium, at least $170.10, and it can be more than that per month if you have a higher income. So after you're enrolled into Original Medicare, your Part A and Part B, you know how much it's going to cost you, then you're going to be looking at what do I do next? So again, remember this session, we're only talking about Medigap contracts. So in this case, we're going to talk only through Medigap. And what a Medigap technically is, and this is from Medicare.gov, so it's a great, easy to understand, hopefully, description of such contracts. So Medigap is a Medicare supplement insurance plan. It helps fill the gaps in Original Medicare, and it is sold by private insurance companies. Original Medicare pays for much, but not all, of the cost for covered health care services and supplies. So a Medicare supplement insurance, aka Medigap policy, can help pay some of the remaining health care costs. And with that being said, so again, Medigap is from insurance companies. We'll talk briefly about what it is designed to do as an overview. Joanne already mentioned it. It is designed to fill the gaps left by Original Medicare. So it can help fill some of that 20% out of pocket. We'll talk more specifically later. 
the one of the main benefits with Medigap plans is it does give you the freedom to choose providers. And what we mean by that is you can go to any provider in the country that accepts original Medicare, because even with the Medigap plan, no matter what insurance company you have, Medicare Part A and Part B is your primary coverage. Also, Medigap plans very, very rarely need prior authorization, and that is because they follow the rules set by original Medicare. So original Medicare does not really require prior authorization, except for very rare circumstances. So because of that, Medigap plans also do not require it. And we'll talk about this later on. Medigap plans do not include prescription drug coverage. So that is something we'll have to get find a solution for or find coverage for. And Medigap plans do come with typically higher premiums compared to Medicare Advantage plans. But typically, if you're unhealthy or if things happen, you're going to have a lower out-of-pocket potential with a Medigap plan. The difference there, too, let's kind of go back to that for just for a quick second. This confuses a lot of people, but there's monthly premiums. And then we're talking about out-of-pocket costs, right? A lot of people equate those to be one and the same, but they're not. So when Cameron says that it's going to come typically with a higher monthly premium, that means that flat payment that you're going to pay every month to an insurance carrier. Medicare Advantage is typically less than Medigap. Now we're yeah. going to talk about the billing. And this is where uh, another really confusing part to really to the entire system of Medicare comes into play. When you have a Medigap contract, just like Cameron said, primary insurance is Medicare. When we mean primary, we mean they get the bill first in this case. Okay. So again, you have A and B with the government. You go to use your services. You go to the doctor or the hospital. You're going to present your Medicare card. Okay. And then they're going to turn around and they're going to bill original Medicare, meaning the government. Medicare is going to pay their 80% as long as it's an approved charge. And then the leftover bill in something called a crossover system is going to go to that Medigap or Medicare supplement insurance company. It's pretty straightforward, but this really confuses people because everybody wants to get their card, their Medigap card that they bought from the ABC insurance company, and they want to call a doctor and say, hey, do you take this ABC insurance plan? You don't want to do that, okay? Your only question to ask of all of these entities that you're dealing with is, do you take original Medicare? And it's just important to remember that because original Medicare Mm -hmm. is going to get the bill. So those are the only people you care about. Do they accept that? And most people, most systems, high percentages, 93, 96% do take original Medicare. But that really trips people up. Joanne brought up a really good point there because we have a lot of people and what they do is they go to the doctor once they sign up for Medigap or when they're looking for it and they'll say, hey, do you take my insurance company, do you take United Healthcare, you know, Mutual of Omaha, whatever it may be. And the provider, you know, they look at their chart or the billing person and they just say, well, no, we, we don't take it. And usually or almost always they're thinking Medicare Advantage plans because those are network specific. So again, you don't have to ask if they take your specific Medigap insurance company. You just have to know if they take original Medicare. Yeah. And you know, Cameron, I was talking to somebody yesterday who told me she has some doctor friends and she said, I was talking to my friends and they said that particular carrier is not a good carrier. Again, we were talking (laughs) Medigap, so it's the same conversation. It's like, no, they're thinking you're talking about Medicare Advantage, and then the light bulb goes off. So, Or even employer coverage. Sometimes they think you're thinking of employer coverage. They don't don't necessarily know. Right. So we really try and drill that home, and often it it gets lost in the the conversation. So good points. Now, if, if a doctor does not take Medicare, it's a whole different story. So you can't just use a Medigap plan if a doctor is not accepting Medicare. They're not willing to accept you as a patient. In that case, if you did go to a a cash pay doctor or even like a concierge doctor who doesn't participate with Medicare or doesn't contract with Medicare, then you would be responsible for the full cost of the bill in that case. 
And if your provider, we talked about it, if they accept Medicare, they must also accept your Medigap plan as your secondary insurance. And Joanne did mention it briefly, but 93% of primary care providers, at least as of 2018, do accept Medicare, according to the Kaiser Family Foundation. And just to kind of reiterate again there is that if the doctor or the provider, whomever does not accept Medicare, the supplement's not going to pay. So we get that question fairly often. You know, hey, my this won't be is not covered. Can my supplement pay for that? The answer is no. It's always going to follow original Medicare. So just remember that. Yep. If Medicare covers it, so will the Medigap. If Medicare does not, the Medigap will not. For most services, there are a couple exceptions we can talk about. And then with that being said, uh, we're going to talk about Medigap Plan G and Plan N specifically because those are going to be the most popular plans for people that are eligible for Medicare nowadays. And those plans, we'll talk about the details, but just know that the Part B deductible for those plans is $233 for 2022. And that does change yearly. So make sure you know what the Part B deductible is, because that is going to be the same deductible you have with both of these plans. And in addition to that, when it comes to Plan N and Plan G, we'll do more of these details in another episode. But Plan N has a little bit more out-of-pocket cost than the deductible. So you have up to a $20 copay if you go for an office visit to a primary care or specialist visit. If you are in an emergency room and you're not admitted, then you will have a up to $50 copay for a visit. And then there is also 15% of excess charges can be charged to you if you have a plan N and you go to a non-participating provider. And I know that's really confusing. We'll do our best to explain that. But like I said, we do have other YouTube videos and we'll have another episode on plan N and plan G specifically. Now, comparing that to plan G, plan G, you just have your part B deductible. So once you meet the $233 per year, you are then covered for all Medicare approved procedures for the rest of the year and you don't have other out-of-pocket costs. Just a tip there too, and then we're going to talk about that here, participating, non-participating. You can go to the website on medicare.gov and on the very bottom, it says find a provider. So if you click on that, you can actually find out if your doctor facility, et cetera, is a participating or non-participating Position. So yeah, it'll say if they accept Medicare assignment. That's what you're looking for to find out if they are participating. Right. If that's a concern, right. If that's a concern for you with getting Plan N, you can easily find out what those are. Participating are the most common type of providers. Uh, about 96% of all physician services, et cetera, and facilities take uh, participate with Medicare, which means they accept assignment on all Medicare claims, which essentially means that they accept what Medicare is going to pay them. They cannot charge the Part B excess charges, and that's compared to a non-participating provider. So this is less common, like I said, about 4%. And they can choose whether or not to accept assignment on each claim, all right? And they can charge that Part B excess charge. Then you've got the completely different situation where they're completely opt-out. It's the very least common, but we do come across these, maybe a psychologist here and there. They can charge whatever they want for their services, but there's not going to be any reimbursement from Original Medicare, okay? So be clear, those are three different types of providers. And also keep in mind with what Joanne just talked about, even in certain states, if you go see non-participating providers or, or participating providers, you may not even be able to be charged excess charges because you may be in what's called a mom state. Now, a mom state is, it stands for Medicare Overcharge Measures. So if you're in one of the eight states that signs into law effectively saying that you cannot be charged excess charges... Well, if you go to a provider, you're not going to be charged excess charges. So a plan N can be a much more popular plan in these states, depending on the difference that you pay in premiums. And 
Now, I don't have a list of the states in front of me. Unfortunately, we will put those in the show notes for this. But let us know if you have any questions specifically if you are in one of these states. We're based in Michigan and Michigan is not a mom state. So in the state of Michigan, right. (laughs) Unfortunately, it's not. But you can be charged excess charges here. It doesn't happen very often. We don't see it very often, but it, it can happen in Michigan. Correct. Yep. And then also Plan N and Plan G. Now, a lot of people think, well, why would I choose one or the other? Because obviously Plan N has higher out-of-pocket costs. I don't really want to be subject to that. But the reason comes down to the pricing. So a Plan N is cheaper on average than a Plan G. Every state is different. So of course, check with your local market. Check with us. We can help you find prices in your local market. But for the most part, Plan N is about $20 to $25 per month different than the Plan G. And then all things considered, there's different factors that make Plan N hopefully more stable over time, hopefully a little bit less likely to increase. But even if they had the same increases going forward, 5% each year, if you're starting at a smaller number, you're still going to end up ahead in the long run, potentially with the Plan N. Now, again, Plan G is still very popular, if not the most popular plan. So you just have to figure out if you want to have the lower premium for the out-of-pocket cost and figure out which fits your style. And then there's other plans you've probably heard of. Um, Maybe you've talked to a friend who's a few years older than you, and you know there's something called a Plan F as in Frank. What is that plan all about? So Plan F, we always have to talk about something called the MACRA laws when it comes to Plan F and Plan C. So this relates to or is talking about the Medicare Access and CHIP Reauthorization Act of 2015. This was signed into law back in 2015. It went into effect on January 1st of 2020. But what does it really mean to you? It means to you that if you were eligible for Medicare after January 1st of 2020, then you are not able to purchase the Plan F or the Plan C any longer, okay? Why they did this, what they did was they're prohibiting the sale of any Medigap plan that covers the Part B deductible. Essentially, it turns out to be that they just want you to have to pay that deductible. So if you were eligible after January 1, 2020, you cannot buy a Plan F but you can buy Plan G and Plan N. Newly eligible means that you either turned 65 or you became eligible for Medicare due to disability, ALS, or end-stage renal disease. So now what happened since then is it also makes Plan D and Plan G the new guaranteed issue plans for people that are newly eligible Medicare beneficiaries. So this gets really confusing. Plan F and Plan C, they do remain available for people to purchase as long as they were eligible prior to January 2020 for Medicare. So this gets a little bit all over the map. I understand that. Current plan people, if you actually are listening and you have a plan F or a plan C, you are not affected by this. You can keep your plan. Your plan did not go away. You can keep it. You just keep paying your premiums. However, new people, maybe you have a spouse that is turning 65 this year, they cannot purchase a plan F or a plan C. Okay. Yeah, and that's when we tend to see it. So somebody might have an older spouse or even a parent that had a plan F and they really like the idea of the full coverage and they want the same thing. And then like Joanne said, if they're newly eligible in 2020 or after 2020, we can't sell them a plan F and and no one can. So it really just separates people that were eligible before January 1st, 2020 and after January 1st, 2020. And I always tell Joanne and other people, you know, we thought this would be the biggest thing for 2020, but it clearly wasn't. So I feel like it kind of (laughs) got swept under the rug with some other current events that happened in the world. So we'll go through a couple of quick examples here. Let's say that your date of birth is June 17th, 1957, which would make you eligible for the first time due to age for Medicare on June 1st, 2022. So in that case, you cannot enroll in a plan F or a plan C 
However, you could enroll in a Plan G or Plan N. And then as another example, if your date of birth is March 15th, 1954, that means that you were first eligible for Medicare based on age on 3-1-2019, which you'll notice is before January 1st, 2020. So you are able to enroll in Plan F or Plan C or Plan N or Plan G. Now, with all that being said, we still typically recommend Plan G and Plan N. It's not many instances where Plan F makes the most sense. There's a lot of factors that go into it, but G and N are really the plans that have have taken off and become the most popular by far. Definitely. And, And a lot of people ask what the difference between a Plan F and a Plan G is. The only, only difference is that Plan G people will have to pay that annual Part B deductible, which is currently $233. Plan F people don't have to pay it because the insurance carrier is paying it for you. Plan G people pay it out of their pockets, but that's the only difference. And, and no price. matter what happens when you have a Medigap plan is you're all going to look at Part D. So Joanne can talk about that and say what's going to happen with your prescription coverage. Yeah. So Part D, that is medications, right? So these are standalone plans that are offered by private insurance companies. They contract with Medicare. Every time every person gets a Part D plan, it comes with an additional monthly cost, which is the monthly premium. When I say premium, again, I'm not talking about all of your costs. So just because you pay a $15 premium, for example, does not mean your medications are going to be free. A lot of people have that perception. It is far, far from the truth. So these plans are only designed to help cover costs and partially partial costs for prescriptions that you're picking up at the pharmacy. But remember, it does not cover the full cost of your prescription. Yeah, we always say, just remember, coverage is not the same as full coverage. So unless somebody says you have full coverage, whenever you say something is covered, you could still have out-of-pocket costs, and you will, especially with Part D. So just a couple more details about Part D, because it is important for everybody to understand, regardless of what Medigap plan you pick. The highest Part D deductible allowed in 2022 is $480. Now, again, that is the highest allowed, so a company can't set a deductible higher than that. But of course, they can do it lower. It could be zero, 200, 300, but you will find a lot at the lower price range will be at the $480 mark. There is a Part D penalty that most people are aware of because everyone is afraid of being penalized once they're on Medicare. This is going to be kind of technical, but just keep in mind that the Part D penalty is a lifetime penalty. So if you do have one, aside from some other circumstances like low income subsidies and and turning 65, then you're not going to get the Part D penalty wiped out. So the Part D penalty is 1% of the national base beneficiary premium, which this year is $33.37. So 1% of $33.37 is added on to your premium for every month you did not have creditable Part D coverage. So we'll have other podcasts about that since we're just going to go down a rabbit hole if we talk about it. And a couple other quick notes. Your choice of Part D does not impact your Medigap options. So you can pick a Medigap company or one insurance company and a completely different Part D company. And the same thing goes with your spouse. So if your spouse's medications make it so one Part D plan works for them. Don't feel like you have to go with the same plan unless it also makes financial sense for you based on your pharmacy and prescriptions. And then lastly, just know that whenever you're looking at Part D prescription costs and you're coming from work coverage or employer coverage especially, understand that Part D might have higher out-of-pocket costs. So we do have a lot of people where they say, oh, I'm taking Eliquis or expensive medications, but it's only $5, you know, $10. So I'm not too worried about that. And then we know that it's hundreds of dollars on on Medicare. So keep in mind that whatever you paid before does not mean you're going to pay the same thing once you're on Medicare. 
Right. Don't yell at us when it happens because it happens all the time. We <laughs> have to break will. the bad news. Exactly. So so when you have all your pieces together, what you're going to have, you're going to have three things and three cards. You're going to have a card because you're going to be enrolled in original Medicare. That's the government. You'll get that red, white and blue card with your scrambled Medicare number on that. You're going to have a Medigap card. So when you come to us to get your Medigap plan, we're going to have that issued with an insurance company. So you're going to get a second ID card. Then you're going to have a third card because every single person should always have a drug card. Always, always, always have a Part D plan in place or you're going to get that penalty. So that's the third card. You're going to get that from another insurance company. We will set that up for you as well. But again, you're going to have three cards, really, really good coverage, but three cards, which is kind of what people complain about having to carry so many cards. Yeah. And just because there's always somebody out there you know, that says, well, in my situation, I don't need Part D or I have other coverage. You don't always have to have it, but if you don't have another form of drug coverage, then that's what Joanne is talking about. Right. Now, what do Medigap plans cover? Joanne already alluded to this, but basically they're designed to cover what Medicare covers. So if Medicare covers a service and they usually cover most services that are medically necessary or your provider has determined you're in a need for a service, then their Medigap plan will also cover it because original Medicare covers it. Now, Medicare pays their portion and then the Medigap plan pays their portion afterwards. One really now, good place to figure oh, that yeah. out too, though, Cameron, is like we should mention that the app, there's a really good app for Medicare. You can actually yeah, put this on your smartphone, so- download that, go on the website, but super convenient. So you can put in a test, you know, is, you know, colonoscopy, whatever you want to figure out what's covered. It does a pretty good job of listing lots of things. Yeah, it tells you the procedures, the frequencies. It should be called What's Covered if you look that up in your App Store or Google Play. Perfect. But of course, Medicare doesn't cover everything. So I'll have Joanne briefly talk about what Medicare does not cover and therefore Medicap does not cover. I get to tell you all the bad stuff to get everyone yelling at everybody, right? So here's original Medicare does not cover these things, which really frustrates people. We do understand that. But dental, biggest frustration out there. Dental is not going to be covered. Very limited cases will it ever get covered. So just know that your cleanings, your root canals and things like that are going to have to be covered, purchase coverage or, you know, pay out of pocket, something like that. Yeah, we'll talk about some other options with dental. Yeah. Yep. Routine vision, same thing. So vision, just eye exams, glasses, contacts, things like that are not going to be covered. When we talk about vision, just remember glaucoma, cataracts and such, those will be covered. Okay. That's medical. All right. Just uh, kind of bring up a distinction between those. It's really routine vision and dental and hearing that Joanne will talk about. Hearing, same thing. You know, hearing aids are not going to be covered. Gym memberships are not going to be covered as part of original Medicare. And then prescriptions are not covered by original Medicare. Exactly. They're not covered. But again, we talked about Part D. So we're not saying, you know, not being covered is not the same as having no option for help with it. And one of the biggest things that always gets brought up whenever we talk about what Medicare does not cover is a physical. So a lot of people, they're on Medicare and they want to get a routine physical. And you simply cannot have a routine physical covered by original Medicare. So a routine physical is typically defined as an exam performed without relationship to treatment or diagnosis for a specific illness, symptom, complaint, or injury. So I always say it's a physical exam. You know, your doctor puts their hands on you. They do different tests, blood work, whatever it may be. And they're really just doing it because, you know, there's not, you haven't said my arm hurts. I have high cholesterol, whatever it may be. They're just running a battery of tests to determine your underlying health conditions that are potentially there. Now, Medicare does not cover a routine physical Now, if you go for what is covered, a wellness visit or a welcome to Medicare visit, Medicare will cover those once per year and you can go, it's less invasive or it's less um, comprehensive. So, you know, you're not going to have blood work technically done just because of the exam. You're not going to have an actual physical exam. Instead, you're going to review your medical history. 
you talk to your doctor, you plan out a course of treatment. They'll take simple measurements, you know, height, weight, blood pressure, those kind of things. But if you do have a wellness visit and then you are instructed by your doctor, or if your doctor says, well, because of these conditions or because of underlying health conditions, you do need further tests, then you can get referred and they can send you to have additional testing done. So it's not like you can never get blood work done or you can never get tests done. It's just you can't have it as part of a routine physical. Instead, you would have another test done after the preventive exam, and that would be a diagnostic exam. So yes, you might have some out-of-pocket costs, but we already talked about Medigap plans, where if you have Medigap in place, you really shouldn't be paying too much out-of-pocket for any of those follow-up tests. But again, everyone always asks, is a physical covered? And a true routine physical is not covered. Right. So technically, no. Yes. And again, we're going to talk more about dental vision hearing because it is kind of a sore topic. But remember that routine dental services, your cleaning, your exams, your x-rays, your crowns, uh, implants, things like that, we're not, not going to be covered. OK, but if you have uh, damage to your mouth because of uh, treatment for cancer, OK, mm-hmm. some of those things can be medically covered. But don't again. Yeah, people always on. ask about the what ifs. <laughs> so Joanne's just talking about the rare yeah. circumstances where dental vision or hearing may be covered. So Right. Cataract surgery, that's not usually a what if because that's pretty common. And eye exams related to diseases affecting the eyes like diabetes and glaucoma, things like that. Those are going to be covered under your medical. So don't worry about that part. But again, if you want to go to Costco for an eye exam, that's not going to be covered by Medicare, nor are your glasses that you're going to get prescribed or your contacts. Same goes to ears, you know, a diagnostic balance and hearing exam ordered by a doctor that could be covered. But any kind of hearing aid fittings and actual hearing aids are not going to be covered. Exactly. So with that being said, after giving you the bad news, we do have to talk about some solutions or alternatives to Medigap plans or Medicare not covering different things with dental vision and hearing. So one of the big things that a lot of people do is you can get individual dental vision and hearing insurance. You can purchase these plans as standalone plans. They're not Medicare plans. So people wonder if they'll be penalized if they don't get them or if there's a timeline to get them. And really, the answer is no, you're not going to be penalized, especially for not having dental or vision or hearing coverage. There are some waiting periods, you know, if you don't choose to get it right away. But these plans usually range from $30 to $50 a month as an additional cost, and they can help you with dental, vision, hearing costs. Now, other than that, you can pay cash, try to negotiate something with your dentist. You can try to get a dental discount plan. So those aren't, they're not insurance, but your dentist might be in network with discount plans where you pay a lump sum fee and you'll get a built-in, you know, a couple cleanings, exams, or x-rays covered, or they might be discounted throughout the year. And then other than that, you can look, it's not very common, but some Medigap plans do offer extra benefits now, and they'll actually have uh, dental vision and hearing you can purchase separately at a lower cost. So that is another option for you. So now we get into Medigap uh, premiums. So premiums are always something to be extremely cognizant of. I'm talking about plans, how, why, and how do they increase the premiums? Well, a couple of reasons that it's going to happen. Obviously, one is inflation. Underlying cost of healthcare is going to increase because the Medicare plans are designed to help cover these medical costs. The premiums are going to increase. We tell people just flat out, don't really expect these to go down. Sometimes they'll stay flat. Sometimes once in a while they may go down, but don't expect that. Just assume this, budget it in. They're also going to go up due to claims, the overall claims experience. And in and, and, Right now, we really don't know, I don't think, the effect of COVID 2020 claims. You know, I just talked to someone whose husband's been in the hospital for 67 days due to COVID-related pneumonia. What are these going to do to potentially claims down the road? Who knows? Okay. Yeah, and so carriers that, will always say whatever suits them. So if, you, if their rate increases higher, they'll say, oh, COVID claims were bad. Right. If, their rate, if their increases are low, they'll say, well, we didn't have as many claims as we expected. So right, they're always going to use it to fit their narrative. 
Correct. Well, people were in the hospital. Maybe they just weren't getting knee replacements done, right? So maybe it balanced out. We just, we don't really know, but just know that claims will affect rates. They're not targeting individuals. So if you get cancer, it's not going to be, you're going to be surcharged because of your specific illness. It's going to be claims for the entire population that's in that plan. And then age, as you age, most Medigap premiums are going to increase simply due to the fact that your age increases. That depends on what kind of plan. We'll talk about a couple of different rating mechanisms, but generally age is going to increase your premiums. And this is where we get into those three types of Medigap premium ratings. Cameron will go over how they all work. And Joanne also mentioned that they're not targeting you as an individual. I know a lot of people get scared if you get a chronic condition like cancer or you know a stroke or something that really drives up your individual claims. When she says they're not targeting you and they're looking at everybody, they generally look at everybody enrolled in your plan letter in your state. So in Michigan, it would be everybody with a plan G with your insurance company in your state. And that's really what's changing the claims for the overall book of business is what we call it. And then she mentioned that there are premium ratings. Now, this is a, a big thing for a lot of people to know in different states. It seems like whenever people do their own research, you know, Medicare.gov try to, tries to lead them down this path to talk about, it's called issue age, attained age, and community rating. And those are basically how plans can increase their premiums and set their premiums at the beginning. So an issue age policy, it is commonly referred to as entry age related or entry age rated. And premiums are lower for people who buy at a younger age and they won't change as you get older. However, and this is really important because people think they never go up with an issue age plan, but premiums may go up because of inflation and other factors, but not directly just because of your age. However, also keep in mind that issue age policies are typically a higher premium when compared to an attained age policy when you're first getting into it because the attained age will go up as you age, whereas issue age, they're more of just relying on claims and inflation. Then community rated plans, these are not as common. Uh, We'll talk about which states or how states can impact this, but community rated plans mean that your premium is not based on your age. So whatever age you are enrolling in the plan, you're going to get the same price. If you enroll as a 65-year-old, you're getting the same plan offer as a 75-year-old. These are typically called no age rated. And again, they can go up because of inflation and claims, but not directly just because you are getting older. And the last one, which is the most common in most states, is attained age. This means that your premiums are low for younger buyers, but as you get older, they will go up because of your age, as well as because of claims and inflation. One thing that makes this still popular is that attained age plans usually start at the very lowest premium when you're first signing up for a Medigap policy. And then again, every state is different with these. So make sure you check with us or check with whoever you're working with as a broker to figure out which plans are most prevalent in your state. Just for example, in Michigan, a lot of people will they'll look online and they'll say, hey, I want an issue age plan because that is the most appealing based on what you're reading. But then you know, 99 out of 100 plans in Michigan end up being attained age. And we have to talk to them about kind of what's realistic and what's available to them. And actually, that whole mechanism, I think all three, they kind of lead you just down a massive rabbit hole. Okay. So try not to get really, really hung up on those details because you can't ever predict the next 25 years of Medigap. Yeah, they all go up. I mean, that's kind of the the moral of the story we always run into. So recapping that, so Medigap premiums, they can and they will still increase due to inflation and claims, even if you choose a community rated or an issue age rated plan. They just, uh, again, set your Set your expectations to just, you know, factor that into your your budgeting. And in most states, attained age plans are the most widely available. It's important to understand your state's market before you fixate 
on a style of your Medigap rating, okay? And these, again, we keep harping on this, but they're going to increase over time. It's really pretty well unavoidable. And your specific age and your gender, people don't realize the gender comes into play, and your zip code are all going to impact what you pay for your Medigap coverage. A good broker can help you compare all of these. When we give rates, we can give the entire list of 40 or 50 carriers that have plans in our states, and you can see everything broken down. Yeah, I don't want to gloss over that because don't call each company. You know, if you find a list on Medicare.gov of 10 companies in your area, just talk to one broker that you trust or that you're referred to or however you find them. We we had another episode about how to get help with Medicare, but go to a broker that can just compare all Medigap plans with different companies in one stop so that way you don't go and call 10 companies and just talk to customer service reps for days on end. Right. And, and use a broker. We'll talk about this in that episode too, but use a broker that can show you all carriers, right? You don't want to find a, a captive broker representing one carrier. They're only going to show you one carrier pricing. So just kind of be careful with that. So based on all that, we just kind of told you that, you know, pricing's the same, et cetera, et cetera. Do you pick the cheapest plan on the market? We're going to say absolutely not because it's going to kind of hurt you, potentially hurt you in the long run. So how do you pick? How do you pick a Medigap company based on that? So again, I just said, don't go cheapest necessarily. Not to say cheap is bad, but you got to look at the company behind that. So when you're looking at the carrier, that becomes a really important decision. So you're looking, in our opinion, you're looking for large market share, length of time in the market for that carrier. How long have they been doing what they're doing? Is it two years for a plan offering or is it, you know, 36 years? And you want to see history of rate stability. I will tell you, tell you that when we are talking to carriers, they ask us what we want as agents. And our number one answer, what is it, Cameron? Just low rates as long low as Low rates can. and stable. It's more stable rates, right? We I'd rather have mediumly, yeah, stable. Me- moderately priced plans that just don't increase as fast versus right. low ones that will just jack up the price. So. Right. Because, you know, as agents, what we don't want to do is kind of pull you in based on something. And then guess who gets the complaints going forward? We do, right? Yep. So we don't want to do that. So our goal, like I said, is history or rate stability as best we can. But then we look at underwriting standards for the for the companies, things like that. That might not be easy for you to discern. But again, that comes back to you really want to circle back and pick a good agent that you could work with that's going to share these kind of details with you. So yeah, it's history very important. Of rates, uh, history of rates is not going to be the end all be all sometimes because some people will say, hey, I want the last 10 years of this or like what's been happening for the last decade with each plan. But even past performance, unfortunately, with Medigap doesn't really mean a whole lot with future performance, depending on certain companies. So don't get too fixated on rate stability. But you also obviously don't want to just pick a plan that doesn't have a good history of of stability. So that kind of brings us to talk about what are things to avoid when finding a Medigap company. So companies that frequently open and close a book of business is definitely a red flag. This is where they open one plan. So they'll come out with a new plan for $100 a month at a really attractive rate. And then a couple of years later, that same company, that plan goes up in premium and it's no longer competitive. So instead of keeping their old plan going, what they do is they just come up with a new name or a new brand, whatever it might be. And it's the same company, but again, a new brand. So they'll say, hey, we have a new plan that's $99 a month. Everybody get that instead. So it's great for people coming into it for a couple of years. But then what happens on the back end is anybody in that first plan their rates are going up and up because there's no new people enrolling in the plan and they just want to keep getting new enrollments. So we definitely look out for that as one of the biggest factors. And then some other things are just outsourced service. So they can use third-party administrators for services. These are more common with very small life insurance companies or other companies that just want to make a Medigap plan to increase their other lines of business or they just want to get people in real quick to get their name out there. 
So an outside uh, outsourced service is a good sign that they're really not in it for the long game. And then poor financial ratings. Uh, AM Best is the most common when it comes to financial ratings for Medigap companies. I'm not saying go crazy and pick A plus always over A, but don't pick a you know B minus carrier over an A rated carrier if they're similar. And then of course, once you've picked out what plan you want to get, or once you're more comfortable with deciding which plan and which company, it's always important to know when you can enroll. So Joanne, we'll talk about that. So enrollment periods, there's a couple different types of enrollment periods. You've got an open enrollment. Um, This is kind of a technical thing that just goes along with actual Medigap plans. You've got something called guarantee issue. Same thing. It's a little technical and hard to understand. We'll do our best here. And then we've got underwritten plans. So those are three ways that you can actually get into that product. Um, Three methodologies. Or or I'll start with talking about Medigap open enrollment. And this is probably the most important one you can understand when it comes to Medigap policies. Because open enrollment is the best time, according to Medicare itself, to buy a Medigap policy. And that is the six-month period that begins the first day of the month you're both 65 or older and enrolled in Part B. And the reason this is such a good time to buy a Medigap policy, if you do want one, is because if you apply during your open enrollment period, Medigap companies cannot turn you away or decline you coverage based on not meeting medical requirements or not passing underwriting. So you are essentially guaranteed to be accepted into the plan despite whatever pre-existing conditions you may have at the time as long as you apply during that six-month window. And it's, it can be confusing. People think this is the same as when you're first eligible for Medicare during your initial enrollment. We've talked about that in past episodes. But again, this is six months and it begins when you're 65 or older and you start Part B. So just because you turn 65 doesn't mean you have your Medigap open enrollment. If you start Part B when you are 65, yes, it will start six months beginning the month you turn 65. However, if you have delayed Part B due to employer coverage, and now you're 68 years old and you apply for Medicare Part B for the first time, your Medigap open enrollment still begins when your Part B begins. So it'll start when you're 68 years old and you can still pick any plan you want with no restrictions. I've even got somebody this week I'm helping and they're 77 and they're first time ever starting their Medigap open enrollment. So don't think it's passed you by. Yeah, just because you're 65. And the biggest thing too, because we say open enrollment and it's Medigap open enrollment, a lot of people confuse it with what is, I think, mistakenly called open enrollment in the fall, which is actually the Medicare annual election period or AEP. And that is the time period from October 15th until December 7th. That's when advertisements are all over. Your phone blows up because everyone's trying to get a hold of you. That is not Medigap open enrollment. So even if you are trying to apply during that time, if your six-month window has passed you by, you can't just make a change in the fall with no restrictions. So guarantee issue, at least the good part of guarantee issue is it's got different words people aren't used to. But this is your next time when you can actually go get a Medigap contract or policy put in place without answering medical underwriting Yeah, it's the only other time you can get it without answering questions besides open enrollment. There's definitely specific ways you have to do this. You got to be careful with this. But this is for people that went and they signed up for their A and their B. They mistakenly got Medicare when they were 65 years old, for example. And now they're 68, like Cameron just talked about. But because they didn't defer Part B, they have A and B in place. So they've already gone through that first six months of their open enrollment. So they've, they've wiped that out. But the only way that they're able to now come to an agent to get a guarantee issue product is they have to be leaving employer coverage, okay? So if they're leaving or losing coverage 
from no fault of their own. Or even another example is when they have a Medicare Advantage plan. And if they move out of the service area, somebody can actually use guarantee issue rights and get a Medigap contract. But this is not for people that maybe have marketplace insurance. Okay, there's this is, doesn't apply to everybody. It's not that you know you can use guarantee issue to get a policy. You have to have very certain and specific reasons to get that. You have to have letters to authorize that this is actually the case. But the carrier has to give you a Medigap Medica, uh, policy. It's got to cover all your pre-existing health conditions, and they can't charge you more. Okay, so you're not going to be rated up uh, for past history and things like that. Not all plans are available using guarantee issue, okay? They're very often limited to certain plan letters. I'm not going to break those down, but it also is going to be affected which plan you can pick based on your age. And that goes back to those macro laws that we talked about a little bit ago. So it's pretty squirrely. Cameron will go into a little more detail, but you got to be careful with guarantee issue. Yeah, I'll just, I'll save it because it is a lot of detail. I know we've already talked about it. Um, Joanne mentioned that, and it's not just leaving employer coverage, but to have Medigap guaranteed issue, you do have to qualify based on certain scenarios or circumstances, really based on you losing coverage out of your control. So if you want to look at examples of that, you can go on Medicare.gov. You can Google uh, Medigap guaranteed issue. It should be the top resource. Make sure you're looking at Medicare.gov or give us a call and let us know and we can try to help you figure out if you do qualify for guaranteed issue. Just know it's not it's not common. It is not the same as open enrollment. So we can try to do our best, but it's not guaranteed that we'll, well, it's not guaranteed we'll be able to get you a guaranteed issue. So, <laughs> And then the last thing we talked about is underwriting. So if you don't qualify for open enrollment, you don't qualify for guaranteed issue. Most of the time, and you know, we'll talk about some states where this is not the case, but your last chance to get a Medigap policy is to go through underwriting. And underwriting is a process where the company will actually ask you health questions. They'll look at your health history. They might do a phone interview. They won't do a physical. You know, they're not going to send someone to your house to draw blood, but they will look at your records and see, you know, if everything matches up based on what you're telling them. And basically, they're just trying to see are you able to get the policy based on your current health? You know, if you are currently undergoing chemotherapy, it's very, very unlikely you're going to pass any health questions to get a policy. So the the plans can change their questions. Each company can have different health questions. That is where a broker comes in, somebody like ourselves or another person. They can help you compare the underwriting standards in different carriers in different states if you want to figure out what plans you can qualify for. And then one thing to know is if you are going through underwriting, don't cancel whatever your current coverage is before knowing if you get approved. I know a lot of people think they have to really jump ship and cancel their coverage and take a risk to get underwriting. But normally you keep your current policy in place so you can apply for another plan with very little risk to see if you get accepted before you actually choose to take that new Medigap plan or stick with your current coverage. And there are certain states that have different unique underwriting rules. It's hard to do a a podcast. You know, we are really focused on Michigan ourselves and other states. But if you're nationally listening to this, then you might wonder, well, in my state, there might be different rules. And we will link to those specific ones where they have unique underwriting rules in the description of this episode. So when can you change Medigap plans? This is really misunderstood. So when you're, if you have a, let's say you have an old plan F and your premium is getting pretty high, you're healthy, your health is still pretty good. You want to change to a plan G. Can I do that? When can you do that? This is key to understand. You can do that any single month of the calendar year. Okay. Any day. day. That's right. Any day, but come to us in June. Okay. Do not think that this is tied to the, the annual fall crazy period when everything lights up on TV. Okay. People really don't understand that they can apply anytime during the year. Think of it like your car insurance. Like if you want to change your car insurance tomorrow, you can probably do that, can't you? Yes, you can. 
Medigap is just like that. Okay. Yeah. So, I always think of it like you can change Medigap policies basically always or, or never. So if you can qualify, you can always change. You can do it every month if you feel like it, if you right. really <laughs> love insurance that much or never. You know, if you have a, a chronic condition, like even diabetes with insulin, if it's a high amount of insulin or if you have heart disease or you just had a stroke or cancer, I mean, the answer might be never or at least for an extended mm-hmm. period of a few years before that is no longer part of your current health history. So always or never is kind of the way to think about it. Mm-hmm. Yep. And with that being said, we've really talked about almost everything when it comes to Medigap. So I'll just briefly talk about some pros and cons. And the first pro is you have freedom from networks. So again, you're not going to a provider saying, do you take my specific insurance company? You can go to any provider that takes original Medicare. You do have low out-of-pocket costs. Again, this is not the premiums, but it's more if you need medical treatment, your out-of-pocket cost potential is going to be lower, most likely with a Medigap plan compared to an Advantage plan. There is also very little or no prior authorization. So you can go and see and do things that you feel is necessary or your provider feels is necessary without very many restrictions. Another pro and the last pro is that it is guaranteed renewable. So the reason that matters is because a Medigap policy, once you pass the health questions or once you get it with open enrollment, no matter what, as long as you continue to pay those premiums and as long as your company, I mean, as long as they don't go bankrupt, you can keep that policy for your lifetime. So no matter what happens to your health or whatever, as long as you pay the premiums, you're not going to lose the coverage. And then I'll let Joanne finish with the cons and then we'll wrap up this episode. Yeah, so every pro has a con typically, right? So some cons for Medigap are higher monthly premiums, okay? They're gonna come with that separate monthly premium. So you're gonna pay your Part B premium. You're gonna pay an extra fee, a flat fee to an insurance company every month, whether you're using the coverage or not, okay? So if that's gonna bother you, if you're healthy, then you gotta think twice, right? Limited extra benefits. You're not going to see all the razzle-dazzle with the dental vision hearing thrown in, things like that. Some carriers might offer a couple, but don't expect that with Medigap purchase. You're going to have to buy separate prescription coverage, all right? You definitely need to add that on. And then premium increases, okay? You're going to have some increases uh, over time. So just again, I said it three times, now build that into your budget. But at the end of the day, in my opinion, there's no trick to Medigap, right? Is it going to cost you more on a monthly basis in terms of premium? Yes. If you are ill, will it cover more? Yes. Okay. Does it come with some freedoms that other plans might not? Sure. Okay. So again, no trick. Hopefully we've gone through the pros and cons in a way that it really makes it understandable to you. Yeah. Thank you very much for everybody listening to this episode. Please make sure to subscribe or give us a review or let us know. If you didn't like something, we're happy to try to do our best to change it in the future. But That is everything to know or most things to know about Medigap. We will have future episodes, of course, talking about Medicare Advantage and other topics. We are Giardini Medicare. You can give us a call at 248-871-7756 or you can email us at info at gmedicareteam.com. Check us out on YouTube or go to our website, gmedicareteam.com. But thank you all for listening and have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Transition to Medicare podcast. To find more Medicare-related information from us, you can search Giardini Medicare on YouTube or visit our website at gmedicareteam.com.